Hello and welcome to Haunted Hometowns, all you beautiful listeners. It's me, Blake Lambert Hack, your host of your true crime paranormal podcast. This season I'm covering cases in Venice, Italy, and tonight I have a very historical, very wild, paranormal church. I will be discussing the beautiful church of San Zaccaria, also known as La Chiesa degli Omicidi, the Church of Murders. What a title to have. The church sits on the Rio dei Grazi and just east of St. Mark's Square. The name San Zaccaria comes from the father of John the Baptist, Zachariah, who was married to a woman named Elizabeth, who, according to the New Testament, was a relative of Mary, as in Jesus's Mary, Jesus's mother. The church was built in 828 by Doge Agnello Parcipazio, who is Venice's eighth doge from 811 to 827. And for those of you listening to Haunted Hometowns for the first time, A doge was a lord and head of a state similar to duke in England. San Zaccaria was paid for by the Byzantine Empire at the time, Leo V, because Leo needed the Venetian support in a battle for Sicily. So Leo sent relics of Zaccaria to Venice And they are preserved today under the second altar on the right in the church, if you so happen to visit. Simultaneously, a convent was built next door to the church. It was the only convent in Venice at the time. Many of the abbesses were daughters of doges. So this convent wasn't run the way we think of today, I guess. The church was known for its wealth and high-born nuns who were allowed to be pampered and have sex, I guess. Never heard of such a convent, but, you know, there's this first for everything. Though if I'm thinking of a nun who has sex, all I'm thinking about is Whoopi Goldberg in Sister Act. So if they acted like her, singing and dancing and praising the Lord, I'm all in. I'd watch that movie I'd watch the second movie. I'd watch a series of all of them living their best lives as nuns. Being doge at this time was risky business, let me tell you. You had the most power in Venice, so naturally you had enemies who wanted to take the power, even family members. Is blood thicker than water? Back then, who knows? I'm going to say no. They were greedy motherfuckers. Before Doge Agnello Parcipazio died, he assigned Giustiniano as the Doge. <laughs> Sorry, some of these names were wild. 
However, he was away in Constantinople. So in the meantime, his younger brother, Giovanni, was appointed co-doge, which is odd. It's like electing a co-mayor, co-governor. And that didn't make Giustiniano very happy in a very petty act. Agnello decided to oppose his son, Giustiniano, and appointed his third son, Agnello, today we'd call him Agnello Jr., a co-doge as well. So now we have a sitting doge and two co-doges with him, both being his sons, but somehow his oldest is not in the line. So this is reminding me very much of like Game of Thrones, House of Dragon. Even though the eldest son is supposed to be the next heir to the throne. It doesn't always happen that way. And somehow, Giustitiano got the upper hand and exiled his younger brothers and took over his doge when his father died. So he went out in the end. And I do have a feeling that that's how the House of Dragons is headed. But I'm not sure yet. He reigned for four years before his death. Unfortunately for him, Giustitiano didn't have any sons, so he had to recall his brother Giovanni back from exile to take over. And how shady. Like, part of me feels like if someone did that, I'd be like, no, fuck you. Get out of my face. But also, by doing that, Giovanni gets the most power in Venice, so it benefits him. So it's like double-edged sword. I don't know which way I'd go, but but Giovanni was elected by the assembly and with his brother and father dead and no nephews to challenge him. You'd think it'd be smooth sailing for him as Doge. However, it is the 800s. Shit back then was crazy. People were mad as hell all the time. There are a lot of haters. You think there's haters now? They were just more in your face about it because they couldn't hide online. So if they were going to call somebody out, they had to do it to their face in front of everybody, in front of the entire city, in front of the entire country. The first issue for Giovanni was the arrival of Obelario degli Antinori, who returned to Venice after being exiled from Venice. So he was a doge from 804 to 811, but was exiled mainly because he had relations with the Franks, which started a war with the Byzantiums. Also, he assigned two of his brothers as associate doges, and the people weren't having it, so they called on King Pepin Pepin of Italy to remove Obelario, and he was exiled. So that's like, I don't buy all that because we I just told you Agnello co-doged both his sons to take over. Obelario seemed to do something very similar. So it's a very family-oriented family affair. And I get not wanting one family to have too much power in a city. 
but why are we letting one family do it and not another? Consistency. That's all I'm asking for. So it makes me just believe that Obelario wasn't a very good person or his family wasn't very good at their job. But they exiled him. He got pissed, came back after Giovanni took over, and decided to try to make a claim for Doge of Venice 20 years after being exiled. Doge Giovanni destroyed two cities that supported Obelario and killed Obelario displaying his head to the people of Venice. That's a statement. You want to come back and try to come for me? Head on a spike. You do have to, if you're going to attack the throne, you really have to come hard because they have all the money. They have all the defenses. They have, generally speaking, they have most of the support. So you really have to plan that shit. And I don't think Obelario planned very well. He was just like, you know what? Let me make a run at it. Did not land. Died. Head on a stick. Then, after that was all done, and you think things would calm down a little bit, there was a revolt in Venice. So Giovanni sought refuge at the court of Lothair, and while he was gone, a man named Caroso took over. However, the Parcipazio family removed Caroso and blinded him, then asked Giovanni back to Venice. So it seems like nobody can make up their goddamn mind. Is Giovanni the doge or not? Do you want him to be the doge or not? And then obviously every family has drama. Skeletons in the closet, if you will. Parcipazio family. Agnello getting his sons to co-doge. The older brother being pissy. Exiling his brothers, calling them back. Then blinding Caroso and calling Giovanni back. It's messy. But Giovanni, as smart as he is, he came back knowing very well that he still has most of the power, but there was still a lot of unrest. And one night in 836, there was an ambush where men arrested Giovanni, tonsured him, which means they shaved his head like the monks of the day, so like bald on top and threw him in a church and that's where he stayed till his death and he probably could have made a run for the throne again or his family could have done something to help him but at this point after all of that i would have just sat in the church as well it's kind of at that point it's like let me just live the rest of my life in peace leave me alone y'all are crazy Now, the following doge after him is where all of this is leading. Thus far, the Church of San Zaccaria and the convent have been doing well. They have a lot of support and money. Pietro Tradonchio became doge in 836 until his murder in 864 in front of San Zaccaria. He was also ambushed during Vespers, by people who didn't agree with what he was doing with his power as Doge. And his body wasn't discovered right away, but eventually a monk found him laying nearby the church, and they decided to bury Pietro in the church. 
and those responsible for the Doge's murder were found and either executed or exiled. And many Doges were buried in San Zaccaria from the mid-9th century to the late 12th century. I just keep trying to parallel this to the United States because that's my frame of reference and all the presidents we've had. And yes, we've had a few assassinations and a few attempted assassinations. Watch the Sondheim musical Assassins if you want to know more. But it's this is crazy. Moms of people attacking the Doge all the time. They either need better bodyguards or they need not to go out at night or something because Doges are being murdered left and right. And if not murdered, exiled or thrown in a church or whatever the case may be, it's too much. If you don't agree, then you need to make sure the next doge is better. But obviously back then, voting and shit like that wasn't a thing. Again, most of these are family-oriented doges. Yes, there was an assembly, but that's not as a small group of people making decisions. And of course, they have their own agendas and bribed and whatever from the families and higher ups and very political. It's too much. So I'm glad we moved past it. But murder isn't the answer, people. Remember that. Also, during the time, 855 to be exact, Pope Benedict III took refuge in the monastery of San Zaccaria while fleeing from violence. So it's not just happening to Doges in Venice. Everywhere at this time, people were pissy. Even the Pope had to run away from fucking Rome. Oh, I just learned that there is a long-distance runner who is part of the Vatican's protection. I don't remember what they're called, but he is training for the Olympics as a long-distance runner, and if he makes it to the Olympics, it'd be the first person from Vatican City to make it. And I think that's fantastic, and I hope he does make it and kicks ass because as much as I am not Catholic or religious much, and I have a lot of problems with the Vatican and itself and the Pope and whatever, it'd be cool to see the smallest country in this world be represented in the Olympics. That'd be awesome. So good for him. Anyway. Pope Benedict III in 855 was hiding in San Zaccaria. There was an uproar from supporters for anti-pope Anastasius. An anti-pope is someone who makes a substantial effort for the papacy or someone who claims they are the pope, even if they are not recognized by the Catholic Church. And I guess it happened pretty frequently, like our elections, you had a winner, and if you didn't win, you were the anti-pope. And 
there were followers of both. And because people had such strong opinions, it could be deadly being the anti-pope if you weren't cautious. Or even just being the pope, because when Pope Benedict III took over as pope, he hid out in San Zaccaria until things died down in Vatican City before returning. Because I guess a ton of people were really backing Anastasius. As a thank you to the nuns, Pope Benedict III left them many relics in San Zaccaria. Among the relics were was a piece of the true cross. The true cross was what Jesus died upon. And these relics were the foundation for a collection San Zaccaria would later become known for. So the next tragedy, <laughs> there's just so many. <laughs> I know it's like an old-ass church, and it's been around for a very long time. But it's shit after shit after shit. Because the next tragedy hit the church in 1105. And it wasn't just the church. It was a great fire in Venice. 23 churches were horribly damaged, including San Zaccaria. And it's odd that a city that functions on water has had several devastating fires. But the 1105 fire started in Campo San Severo. Then the fire moved east to Campo San Lorenzo, then south to San Provolo. And if you need to look at a map for all these, these are just neighborhoods in Venice. And then so on until half of Venice was ablaze. And historians believe it started from a family home that had straw or hay as their roofing, which was extremely common back then. And that's how the flames were able to reach across the canals. The wind would pick up and embers from the roofs would fly onto nearby buildings. So when the fire reached St. Mark's Square, nuns, monks, and others in the area fled to churches hoping to be protected from the raging fires. Around 100 nuns fled to San Zaccaria for safety and hid in the underground uh, crypt, which is, a, which is a smart idea. It's underground. You're away from everything that's happening above. And underground in Venice, remember, is basically underwater. And churches back then were usually sturdier or made from materials that weren't as flammable as some of the housing. But sadly, the hundred nuns didn't know the dangers of hiding in a poorly ventilated area. And after the fire was put out, around a hundred nuns were found dead in the crypt of San Zaccaria from smoke inhalation. The church also suffered severe damage, so what was left of the church was torn down and redone in the 10th century. Soon after, Vitale Irmichil became Doge of Venice from 1156 to 1172. He gained power when Venice was at odds with the East and the West. It's not, it's not good to be stuck in the middle. 
Unfortunately, it comes to the time where you just got to pick a side sometimes. He was at war with Frederick Barbarossa, who was known as the Holy Roman Emperor. And I'm not going to get into all of that, partly because this episode isn't about St. Peter Basilica, and partly because it's hard to fact-check any of this, but apparently Frederick let an army led an army to Vatican City and attacked St. Peter's Basilica. After eight days of fighting, they finally were able to break into the church where they murdered a bunch of people, leaving the altar filled with blood. Where's that movie? I want to watch that. Someone breaking into Vatican City and murdering people inside St. Peter's Basilica? That is Wild. I didn't even know that existed until doing this research. And maybe it's because the Vatican is very secretive about a lot of their stuff. But that's fascinating. So Venice was at odds at this time with him in the West. And also Byzantium in the East, which was unfortunate because Venice had a long history of doing well with Byzantium. A Genoese camp in Constantinople was attacked and destroyed, and the the emperor blamed Venetians for the attack, so they arrested and confiscated all Venetian property that was in Byzantine territory. That started a war, obviously, because they're singling out Venetians in Constantinople, and so Venetians in Venice were pissed, and... The Doge, Vitale, led 120 ships to attack Constantinople, but the mission was not a success. But it wasn't a success mainly because most of his men died from the plague. So if you remember back, this is the exact time the Black Plague was ripping through Europe. And even though he had 120 ships, which is kind of hard to think about back then, in 1100s a lot of his men did die of the plague so he didn't win the battle of course and doge vitale was tried for not succeeding in his mission and being gullible as well as bringing the plague back to venice y'all i don't know if being doge is worth it you people coming back to claim the throne it's not a throne but you know what i mean People coming back to claim it, you've your own family stabbing you in the back. You have your council being pissed off that you failed a military excursion. You have your people of Venice being pissed that you're not taking care of certain issues. It does not sound like a fun job. And to be tried for it too, like, I kind of feel bad for him because... He tried his best, and he probably did what the council wanted him to do, was, which was attack Constantinople for what they did. But to try him when he got comes back losing, that's fucked up. And we have the plague on top of it. So all the Venetians are like, well, what the fuck? You brought the plague to Venice. How dare you? Which isn't the case, but they didn't know that back then. 
Because of all of this, an angry mob gathered outside the palace. He was being questioned at the Doge's Palace. I talk about, I'll be talking a lot about the Doge's Palace next episode. But inside the palace, not only is it where the Doge lives, but there's also all the courtrooms. So he was being questioned in the palace, and an angry mob was outside. And in an attempt to be free, he tried escaping from the palace and the mob. However, they tracked him down and stabbed him outside the one and only Sanzacadia. So that's two doges murdered in front of the church. It's giving very Beauty and the Beast mob attacking the castle. And maybe he would have survived if he had inanimate objects protecting him. But between the church and the water sat a garden that the nuns used for themselves and for money for the church. The nuns decided to give up their garden so a new piazza or town square could be built in front of San Zicaria. Another church was even torn down to make room for the piazza. That's how much money San Zicaria is and power. Like, again, they were higher up if we're ranking churches by power. San Zicaria was near the top. San Zicaria was rebuilt again in the late 1400s in the Gothic style. But the original architect died, and the rest of the building was completed in the Renaissance style, so it has a good mix. Which I think a lot of Venice does have a good good mix of Gothic and Renaissance styles. Not just Gothic and Renaissance, but together in one building. San Zaccaria is the same church you see today and can visit today. And... So the one, the one that was rebuilt in 1400s, that's the same one that's still standing today. And one of the new parts of the building was built over the convent's cemetery on the left. And you can still see the older facade of the church to the right of the newer facade. Does that make sense? Go look at a picture. It'll make sense when you're looking at the photo. Remember, I post photos on Instagram and Twitter. Check it out, Haunted Hometowns. The inside is decked out in Renaissance art. It looks like every open wall space is covered in art. Again, I haven't visited this place. I wish I, maybe I'll make a trip to Venice soon. I would love to, but from photos and researching, it looks like every part of the wall space is covered in art and it's gorgeous. Unfortunately, during Napoleon Bonaparte's crusade through Italy, he stole tons of the art, and a lot of it ended up in the Louvre. Louvre? However you pronounce that. I hate French. Y'all, I hate French. Sorry to all you. Sorry to France. Sorry to that man. But I, I've taken French, German, Italian, English, Spanish. French is by far my least favorite. Anyway, Napoleon stole a bunch of shit and put it in the Louvre including a painting by pa, pa, <laughs> including a painting by Paolo Veronese named Enthroned Madonna and Child or Virgin and Child Enthroned. 
let me... <laughs> the painting was named Enthroned Madonna and Child, or other places have said it's called Virgin and Child Enthroned. Either way, Napoleon stole it. And he stole so much art and put so much of it in the Louvre. For a time, the museum was called Musée Napoleon. And in 1815, when Napoleon was finally defeated in battle at Waterloo, many of the stolen artworks were recovered. The Paolo Veronese painting didn't go back to San Zaccari, unfortunately, but instead is in a museum in Venice. So that's good. It did go back to its homeland. Doing research, I just found out that there is a really cool public piece of art where the Battle of Waterloo happened. And it's this huge man-made hill with a huge lion statue on top that weighs several tons. And I think it, it's over 200 steps up there, so it's a ways. Bring a water bottle if you're ready to go, but I would love to see it. It looks really cool. Now that I think about it, I would love to take a long-ass trip and just visit the best art in the world. Just hop around to all these huge meaningful i guess you could do a couple trips you could do like a muse art museum trip and travel to like the best art museums in the world and also do like a public art trip the crypt under san zaccaria is from the original building from the 800s and there's a decent amount of standing water in the crypt and has been for a while and if you look, when you look at photos, it it gives uh, the Gothic arches down there. Again, I've been talking about a lot of Game of Thrones because this church reminds me a lot of that. The Gothic arches in the crypt gives the, like the dragon dungeon and the eight doges. Like I was saying, between the ninth and twelfth century, eight doges are buried down there still. The church is working to drain the crypt. And they also want to pull up the concrete to see what's underneath. But with a city that sits on water and the crypt is, of course, below sea level, who knows how long it's going to take. And it's said that all eight doges died in a brutal way. But I couldn't find like a, a inclusive list of exactly who's buried in the church. All it ever says is mid-9th century through 12th century. And I've already listed the two that were stabbed to death, Vitale and Pietro, and the doge who founded San Zaccario, Agnello Parcipazio. But I have some guesses on the others, so that's three out of eight. One possible candidate is Pietro Candiano I, who died in war, in battle, in 887. Immediately following his death, the next doge, Pietro Tribuno, took over in 887, but he also died in battle in 912. So both of those men could be buried down there. Also, it's a lot of Pietros. Because I'm about to give you another one. Another Pietro. But another... It's Pietro Candiano, but this one is the fourth, not the first. Yeah, we need more creative names. So Pietro Candiano IV became Doge in 959, 
and has a long history with Sanzakaria. After becoming Doge and having a son, he sent his wife, Giovannicia, to the convent at Sanzakaria. Which is, what a dick. What a dick. He had his son, he got his heir, and then sent his wife to the convent. And once she was out of the picture, Pietro married un- married again. And this marriage was for political ties. So at the time, Otto I took control of Italy in 966, and Pietro's new wife, Waldrada, was the daughter of the king's wife's cousin. Did you find did you follow that? Waldrada, Pietro's new wife. She was the daughter of the king's wife's cousin. (laughs) People are desperate to be married to power. Okay. This suggests that there was an alliance between Pietro and Otto, and Otto also gave the convent of San Zaccaria to the abbess. Like he gave the entire convent to the abbess. And her name was Abbess Giovanna, and also gave tax breaks to Pietro's brother. So long story short, Pietro was very disliked by the people of Venice for being too powerful with his family and gaining more power in the state and church. And his ties to the king didn't improve Venice much. So if you're gonna create ties like that, It needs to be beneficial for your city, but it seemed to only be beneficial for him. Plus, he lived on the mainland of Venice in a guarded palace, and his wife was protected by Florentine guards, which the Venetians hated as well. Because if you look at Venice, I talked about this, I think, in the first episode, but there's the ancient part of Venice, which is the city floating on water area, all the canals, what you know of Venice but there's also an inland part of Venice. The Doge's Palace is in the ancient part, right on St. Mark's Square. But this Doge was like, let me live inland and not on the islands. So Venetians are like, well, fuck you. And then his wife, the king's wife's cousin's daughter, (laughs) she's being protected by Florentine guards from Florence, Italy, and not venetian guards which is also shady as fuck so venetians of course were like get out so the palace was attacked and set on fire forcing the doge his son and wife out of the house where pietro and his son were murdered and thrown in a slaughterhouse while Dorada somehow escaped Other historians believe Pietro and his son were locked inside the palace as it burned, but either way, they both died. They both were murdered. And remember when I said the convent was given to Abbess Giovanna? A lot of historians believe Abbess Giovanna was Pietro's first wife, Giovannicia. So we don't really know if he threw her in the convent as a way to get her out of his life. Or they, or he came up with this plan so he had control of church and state. No one knows for sure, but 
he may be buried in San Zacaria because his, again, his first wife was the abbess, but possibly another candidate is Ordelafo Valiero, who died in battle in 1117. Possibly Orio Mastro Piero. Uh, he might be buried in there because he died of illness in 1192. Which may be the plague, who knows. But I couldn't find any more information. And if the names are written in the church, maybe I'll... Maybe when I visit, I'll find out. Or if you visited or live in Italy and know, email me because I'd love to find out who or which doges are buried in the crypt. But I think churches at night when no one is in there and the lights are all off is creepy enough, let alone knowing there are eight buried bodies in the basement. And a hundred women died in the basement as well. Also remember... The convent cemetery was built, the church built over top of that. So who knows how many women are buried under the church as well. And at least two men were murdered right outside the church. So if you visit, apparently if you close your eyes in the crypt, if you go down to the crypt and you close your eyes standing in water, bring your fishing boots, you may hear bones knocking into each other while they float on top of the water, which is a really specific image and very creepy, but I love it. When the crypt flooded in the 1500s, it didn't have the concrete floor, of course, so apparently bones surfaced. So that's why you'll hear bones knocking against each other while standing down there. And of course, you may run into nun ghosts in the crypt, which is the scariest kind of ghost. There's nothing creepier than a ghost in a habit. Well, that's not fair. Children ghosts are scarier. But ghost children ghosts than ghosts with a habit. Did you see the movie Nun? I didn't love the movie Nun, but it was that nun ghost is creepy. She's creepy. And if you're walking by the church, be prepared to run into the murdered doges. Of course. So let's go. Let's visit. Let's take a trip and see some ghosts. So again, if you have visited or are going to visit, let me know if you see anything, hear anything. Let me know who's buried down there. Check out those relics. I don't think the true cross is there anymore because I think it burned in the fire, but other relics from that the Pope Benedict uh, Pope the third dropped off those are still there so take a look I'll make it there one day it's top of my list but thank you all for joining me you can follow Haunted Hometowns on Instagram and Twitter for upcoming news guest info photos related to each episode please subscribe rate and share Haunted Hometowns it really helps the podcast reach to more listeners for those who may be interested in the paranormal history true crime etc and don't forget to send me your paranormal stories so i can share them on the podcast 
email me at hauntedhometownspodcast at gmail.com or DM me on those socials. Could be anything from moving into a new house and finding an alien body buried in your basement to waking up to your crocs in the garbage every morning. Let me know. And again, thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. I love you. Join me next week because everyone loves a ghost story. The music is by the wildly talented Tyer. Follow him on Instagram at Queer Popstar. The artwork is by the amazing Pepe Munoz. Follow him on Instagram at p.e.p.e.munoz, M-U-N-O-Z. I got my information from Wikipedia, Rossi Writes, Churches of Venice, and Creative Adventurer.